this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, we have another guest speaker here today. For those of you who do not know, Candace, our lead pastor, she is out on maternity leave right now. So we've been having some awesome guest speakers. Have you guys been enjoying the guest speakers? Tim Bennett and everyone else? Yes. Well, we get to continue that today, and I get to introduce someone special to me, okay? Um, for those of you who do not know, Candace's father, who started this church, his name's Jerry Stoltzfus. And back when he was the lead pastor here, um, the, there was another pastor who was also here, who was my dad. And I get to introduce my dad, Lance Stoddard. He is back and here to give the word. Would you guys give him a hand as he comes up? Freedom Valley. How are we doing this morning? Oh, come on now. You can do better than that. Freedom Valley, how are we doing this morning? Come on. It is 2023. It is the new year. We've got all kinds of new things ahead of us. Are you ready? Are you running into the new year with expectation? Because listen, this is how God works. Okay. God responds when we come with expectation. We ought to come every Sunday with an expectation, but I think we ought to enter this new year. We ought to enter 2023 with a great sense of expectation. What is it that God has for us? Man, if you're not asking that question on January 1st, 2023, saying, Lord, this is the first day of a new year, all of 2022 and all of that stuff that's gone on the last couple of years that we've had to deal with, that's behind us. What do you have in front of me now? God, what do you have in store for me? What do you have in store for my family? What do you have in store for this church in 2023? Those ought to be questions that we're asking. Because God's going to answer those questions. And he's got some great things planned for you personally, for your family, for this church, for this community. And I believe Freedom Valley Church is going to be right in the middle of it. Now, before I get too far down the road, because I could just take that and start going. I mean, that, that, that excites me, all right? But let me just, man, say... What a blessing it is to be back at Freedom Valley. As Isaiah mentioned, served here for a number of years under Pastor Jerry. And I I just want to extend from the Stoddart family uh, such a great uh, sense of appreciation and gratefulness to this church. Uh, For many of you that were here during our time, you know, you you guys stood with our family through through some real challenges. And you guys loved us and just prayed with us. And, and, you know, and, and now... You have embraced our son and daughter-in-law here. You guys have blessed and and partnered with Jeremiah and Olivia, our youngest, as they are serving with Mission SOS or SOS Adventure in Africa. And, you know, I, I just look back and think about how much impact this church has had on our family. And I am so humbled and I am so grateful for what God has done in our lives during our time affiliated with, with Freedom Valley. Um, just want to acknowledge like, right over here, next, seated next to my beautiful daughter-in-law is my beautiful wife, and that's Melanie. Melanie's here with us this morning. Uh, 
you know, for m many of you will be many of you will be familiar with our family. Hannah uh, and Isaiah both graduated from New Oxford High School. Uh, Jeremiah graduated from from Mars in 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 the Pittsburgh area, but attended New Oxford here for years. Uh, Hannah is doing well. She's serving the Lord down in Orlando, Florida, and hoping to get back to Sweden at some point when the Lord opens those doors. She had to come home. She was living in Sweden, serving with Mission SOS over there during the time that when COVID hit. And then, uh, you know, obviously you guys are familiar with where God, what God has doing here, with uh, what God's doing with Isaiah and Katie, and thank you for loving on them and just uh, blessing them. Jeremiah and Olivia are living in Kenya. They're based in Kenya, traveling all over the continent of Africa uh, with Mission SOS. And you guys partner with them on a monthly basis. You've made it possible for Jeremiah to share here, and I believe he's going to be back with you guys in early February, right, Isaiah? So, man, thank you so much for loving our family. You know, and as I look around the room this morning, I'm just, I'm just touched. I mean, deeply touched as I, as I think about just, you know, I, I mean, I could, I could literally, I could probably go row by row here and pick out just about, you know, something in, in, in a, a relationship in every row. But I was, I was looking at the worship team and I'm thinking, Tommy, you know, Tommy kind of followed our family here from New Jersey. You know, is that fair to say? Tommy, don't take that personally. But, but Tommy had been a part of the church where I had pastored in New Jersey. And, and then when I took over master's commission here, Tommy ended up coming. And, and now he's, you know, he's found a home and a family and, and everything. It's just amazing to see, you know, what, what God's doing there. Yeah, look over here. I see Carrie and Wayne Slothauer. And, you know, I remember some, some great motorcycle rides and some great trips. I remember one particular trip, which maybe that wasn't so great, because Carrie and I are pulling up to the hospital in Hanover after Wayne had a little unfortunate incident where two wheels didn't stay on the ground. And, and uh, we rolled in there, and we weren't quite sure what we were going to find. And when we got there, Wayne was a mess. He was upset. He was upset that his motorcycle was binged up, and he was upset that they cut his favorite Harley Davidson shirt off of his body once he got to the ER. But other than that, I mean, other than a short knock to the head, you did okay, didn't you? Yeah, look at him. He's all right. I look here. Mm, Brandy. I remember a phone call. I remember a phone call sitting in my office. Lori Redding says, hey, there's a lady on the phone that has some questions. Do you mind talking to her? And I answered the phone, and Brandy's on the other side, and she said, I have this crazy neighbor who's just telling me all this crazy stuff about what God, just claiming that God can do this and God can do that and God can do this kind of thing. And I just don't know what to think, Pastor. Is any of this true? True, isn't it? <laughs> and in that conversation, we had an opportunity to pray to receive Jesus Christ over the telephone. Mm. Randy, love you. So grateful for the relationship that God's given us and what I've seen him do in your life over these years. And I know it's been challenging the last few months, but you know, the promises that we talked about in that phone call, and so much more are yours today. You know that? It's true. Stan and Misty, <laughs> I remember being at your retirement, Chief, or Captain, right? From the, from the police department down in Maryland. Man, that was such a proud moment that I was able to be there. Thanks for letting me be a part of that. Greg and Elaine, Greg, I remember having a conversation with you out there in the, in the coffee shop, you, me, and Jerry, and, and you were telling us, that the doctors gave you a pretty rough diagnosis. They said just a few months. Man, we sat there and we prayed. We asked God to do a miracle. And here we are eight years later, and that miracle's still at work, isn't it? Hallelujah. Man, God is so good. You know, like I said, man, yeah, praise God. Uh, you know, I could go around the room, I'm sure, you know, and, and, say, and just point out 
relationship after relationship, this church has radically and significantly impacted our lives, and we are grateful to you. Candace and Aaron, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I am so grateful to you know, the, the Pringle family, the Stoltzfus family, uh, and, and how their lives and their ministry have, have impacted and influenced mine personally and our family. Thank you so much to the two of you for the opportunity to be here this morning. So we're going to continue on in this uh, series that's the final message in this series, God With Us. And uh, I'm going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to do a little re 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 retreat back to last week on Christmas, and we're going to talk a little bit about the implications of Christmas, but we're going to talk about it uh, in the context of moving forward into 2023. Now, there's probably a lot of services on Sunday mornings at different churches in this community where they're talking about, you know, uh, New Year's resolutions and things like that. I've preached those messages before, and uh, you know what? I'm about as good at some New Year's resolutions as you've been. How many of you have some New Year's resolutions in the rearview mirror that you started with really good intentions that made it through to January 15th? Anybody out there with me on that? Okay, we can all relate to that. But hopefully this morning, I can leave something with you that will inspire you to establish some resolutions, some determinations in your life that will not just lead you through to January 15th, but that will carry you all the way through to December 31st of 2023 and beyond. Can we work on that this morning? Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to continue with this idea of God with us. And how many of you are familiar with C.S. Lewis? Anybody know the name C.S. Lewis? Okay, C.S. Lewis is a, a famous author. He's the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, if you're familiar with that. And, and C.S. Lewis was a, 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 an avowed atheist up until the point that he actually encountered Jesus and was forced to reconsider his options and, uh, and came to faith in Christ and, and ended up uh, writing the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, which is an allegory of, of the Gospels. And... Um, he said something, and I've heard this story told in a number of different ways, so let me just say he said this. He said that man looking for God in the world is just like Hamlet looking for Shakespeare in his. That, I, that us looking for God in the world it's kind of like Hamlet looking for Shakespeare in his. Now, here's the reality about Hamlet's world. He lives in a world that Shakespeare created. Shakespeare is literally all around him. Shakespeare has established everything that he knows, experiences, and encounters. And yet, Hamlet has no way of actually personally encountering William Shakespeare unless... William Shakespeare does something unique and writes himself into the story of Hamlet. It's the only way that Hamlet could personally encounter William Shakespeare. But you know what? Here's the reality of what's happened with us. We live in a world that God created. The evidence of him is all around us in creation, in the people sitting next to you. The evidence of God is right there, and oftentimes we overlook that. And the only hope that we have of personally encountering him, that's true, all the world testifies to God, and that should be enough. But we struggle with that in our human mind, and God understood that. So here's the good news. God wrote himself into our story. God wrote himself into your story and he wrote himself into my story. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. On Christmas Day, 
we celebrate God writing himself into our stories. And because of that, we have an opportunity to encounter him. That's why he is Emmanuel, God with us. That comes from this passage in Isaiah chapter 7 and also repeated in Matthew chapter 1. But I want to go to a more traditional Christmas story. Okay, and again, I get it. It's not Christmas. It's New Year's, but work with me here. I want to go to a more traditional Christmas story uh, passage, and I want us to look at Luke chapter 2. Now, Isaiah can tell you the tradition in our family is we always read the Christmas story before we engage in anything else on Christmas morning. So before we, before we do the, the presents or the stockings or anything else, we take time to remember and to focus in on what it actually is. And I'm blessed that I have seen at different times my kids continuing that tradition uh, in our family of, of acknowledging that. But I want to take a look at Luke chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. You can turn there in your scripture. I'm actually reading out of the ESV. I know that you guys tend to use the NLT here. Uh, but, uh, you know, follow with me. The, the words are almost identical. And the passage reads this way. It says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. Peace. On those on to those on whom his favor rests. This morning I I want us to focus particularly on verse 14, but there's a couple really cool things, actually several really cool things that I want you to see as we make our way towards 14. First thing I want you to see is this. In verse 11 it says, Today, this actually happened. It happened on a real day in the real world in real time. It wasn't imagined. It wasn't made up. It was the day the Bible tells us that Augustus uh, Caesar was Caesar in Rome. That Quirinius was the, the governor of Samaria or of Syria, excuse me. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, or Galatians chapter 4, he said that it happened in the fullness of time. And what that means is, God was waiting till he got all the pieces and all the parts in just the right places. God had a plan from the very foundations of the earth for this moment. And he had been working since the beginning of time, positioning all of the things that needed to be in the right place until the fullness, until the perfect moment came that God could become Emmanuel, God with us. It was a perfect, a perfect day. But then it says, in the town of David. I want you to realize that this happened in a real place. This isn't Narnia. This isn't Middle Earth. It's not somewhere in a galaxy far, far away. This actually happened here. It took place in a real town, in a real community, about 6,000 miles from where we're sitting right now. In fact, just about a month ago today, Melanie and I were in this city. We were in Bethlehem a, year, a month ago today visiting the Holy Land, and we were staying in Bethlehem. It's a small town six miles southeast of Jerusalem. Today it's located in the West Bank. It's under the Palestinian control, uh, the Palestinian Authority. And yet, you know, that's where the Church of the Nativity, that's where the, the shepherd's fields are, where all of this that we're reading about this morning took place. 
This is the city that, the city of David, King David's home. It's the city that Micah, the prophet, in chapter 5, verse 2 of Micah, prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. It's a real place. It's a real community, just like Gettysburg. Then it says, a Savior. A Savior has been born. A Savior. He's the one who takes away all of our sin. Here's the reality. If you've ever sinned, if you've ever messed up, if you've ever blown it, if you've ever fallen short, you need a Savior. I need a Savior. We all need a Savior. The world needs a Savior. And there's only one who, has, who can forgive sin. You see, when we sin against God, God's the only one who can forgive that sin. And so it was very important that God write himself into our story so that we could relate to him and that we could receive that forgiveness. That's the importance or part of the importance of Jesus coming. And see, only God can forgive sin against God, which is why God wrote himself into the story, sent his son, who, by the way, had the authority to forgive sin on earth. And he sent him to us. I need a Savior. You need a Savior. The world desperately needs a Savior. And so God sent a Savior. But it wasn't just a Savior. It also says that He is the Messiah. The Greek their word there is actually Christos, which means the Christ, the Anointed One. You see, in the Old Testament, there's three unique offices that we see repeatedly talked about. The, the roles of the offices of prophet, one who speaks to man on behalf of God. The office of priest, the one who serves as an intermediary between God and man. And king, the one who rules over man on behalf of God. And those three offices are unique and distinct. And until the time of Jesus, with the possible possible uh, exception of Melchizedek, who was a, an Old Testament preview of Jesus, no other person ever fulfilled all three of those roles. In fact, it only says Melchizedek fulfilled two. But Jesus fulfills all three. He is the Messiah, the anointed one. And in him, Corinthians tells us, Paul says in Corinthians, all of God's promises are yes and amen. But it doesn't stop there. It also says that he is the Lord. You see, he defeats all of our enemies. He rules over every opposition. He is the ruler. He is the sovereign. He is the one with all authority. He is the Lord of the universe. That's the good news. This is the gospel, the good news. It took one angel to announce it, but it took a great company to rejoice in it. In fact, you know that, that word there, a great company? When you look at the Greek, the word's actually plethos is the word. Plethos, plethos. The word that we get plethora, many from. And in this context, it actually means the entire host or the entire army of heaven. Basically, here's what happened. Now, Wayne, you can relate to this, and there's probably a few of y'all in here that can relate to this, but those of you that have been around motorcycle culture at all, especially motorcycle clubs, understand that the president of a motorcycle club has the ability to call what is known as a mandatory. Okay? A mandatory is a run where everybody's going to hop on their scooters, everybody's going to hop on their motorcycles, and they're going to go. And there's no option. I mean, you better be dead in a morgue, right? 
or in jail, and there are a few of them that are, okay? uh, but you better be dead in the morgue or in jail because there's no other option. And that, national, that, that mandatory can be called at a local level. That mandatory can even be called at a national level where all of the clubs for the different, you know, I mean, we're talking, you know, like the Hells Angels, or the Pagans or whoever, you know, that club can call a mandatory and everybody has to be there. You know what God did on the, on the, on the day that Jesus was born? God called a mandatory. And every angel, no matter what his role, showed up in that little field outside of Bethlehem to praise God and to announce to the world and to rejoice with mankind that Emmanuel had come, God with us. That's how important this is. There's no other moment in heaven. There's no other moment recorded in the scripture where God called a mandatory that every angel, no matter what his role, had to show up and show off because God had come to mankind. He wrote himself into the story. God called the mandatory on a perfect day in a perfect city. A savior was born. The Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. Okay, Lance, great news. It is the good news. But what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us here right now in this moment? What does that mean for us as we look ahead into 2023, looking at 2022 in the rearview mirror? Well, let me offer this to you. I think a big part of it is included in the very next chapter, because, or very next verse, because you look and you see what the, what the, uh, what the angels said. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The first thing they said is glory. Glory to God. What is God's glory? You ever ask yourself that question? What is God's glory? That can be a tough one to define, can it? I've heard a lot of different explanations about what the glory of God is, but to me it's a little bit like the analogy of the basketball and beauty. Somebody says, hey, explain to me what a basketball is. You know what? I can do that. It's a round ball. It's about nine, ten inches in diameter, about this big. It's orange, has black stripes on it, little dimples. You pump it up with air until it becomes nice and full. You can bounce it on the ground. You can pass it to each other. And one team of five guys, real tall guys, plays another team of five really tall guys or girls, and they try to put that little ball through a little, a little net. And you know what? If you have very basic skill set with, you know, whatever language you speak, you should be able to pretty well articulate what a basketball is to a person who maybe had never even seen one. Try that with the word beauty. How do you do that? How do you explain that? Well, I can tell you, there's three of them sitting right here on the front row. I'm married to one of them, my son's married to one, and Greg, you got the third one right there, okay? But how do you explain beauty? I mean, we say beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Everyone has a little different opinion about it. You know, hey, some people look at the Mona Lisa and they say, that's beautiful. Other people look at it and say, I see a grumpy old woman, you know, kind of, a, kind of a, yeah, that looks weird. You know, that, that painting's worth billions of dollars? I don't get that. You know, I've been to the Louvre in France and I've walked through there and some of the things that they guard with their life, I look at it and I say, I wouldn't hang that in my garage. Okay, so 
you know, I don't know. What, what, what is beauty? We're challenged by that. But I'll tell you this. You may not be able to articulate it, but you know it when you see it. If you're married, gentlemen, look to that woman who's sitting next to you. First time you saw her, probably went, mm-hmm. There it is right there. I may not be able to articulate what it is, but that's I know it when I see it, and I'm looking at it right there. Glory is much the same way. I've heard glory defined as, as the, well, you know, before I do that, let me just say this. Glory is like that, right, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's more than creation. Glory, God's glory is more than creation. But creation glorifies God. You see, God's glory is more than worship. But worship glorifies God. God's glory is more than just my obedience or your obedience, but our obedience glorifies God. And as a part of his creation, you and I are revelations of his glory. Some people have defined glory this way. It's the outward expression or the manifest beauty of God's holiness of his perfect perfection. Okay? A very abstract idea. What does perfect perfection look like? I don't know exactly, but I can tell you this. I know it when he shows up. I know it when I walk into his presence. I know it when I encounter him in your life, in your smile, in our interaction. I know it when I see it on the mission field as people are ministering to those who have so little and are praying for them in Jesus' name. I know it when I see it when someone offers a cup of cold water to the thirsty in the name of Jesus. I know it when I see it when somebody with very little gives of the little that they have and drops it in the offering bucket as it goes by. I know what God's glory looks like even though I am not verbally skilled enough to articulate it to you in all of its grandeur and all of its magnificence. But I'll tell you this, my friends. When God's glory arrives, you know it. Worship is a part of His glory. Obedience is a part of His glory. Creation is a part of His glory. But even all of those things and all of those words don't sum up the perfection of his perfect holiness. That's what his glory is. You see, when you and I, when we give of our time and our resources, we glorify God. When we worship and we pray, we glorify God. When we, when we obey and read the word, we glorify God. When we bless our neighbor, when we love those who are less than lovable, when we forgive those who don't really deserve forgiveness, when we use our gifts and the abilities and the talents and the time and the resources that God has invested in our life to serve him and to honor him, we glorify God. And here's the beauty of it. When we blow it, we fall short, and we sin. We have the gift of repentance and forgiveness, which in turn glorifies God. Amen. You see, the angel said that this moment, Emmanuel, God with us, was all about God's glory. But they also said it was about 
the peace of men, specifically men on whom his favor rests, which is us, those who by faith have stepped into relationship with Jesus Christ. And you see, here's the interesting thing. Uh, peace and glory have an interesting symbiotic relationship. You know what I mean by symbiotic? Symbiotic means they, they are two unique separate things, but they have a, a dependency of sorts in their relationship. It's kind of like bees and flowers, right? Bees are dependent on the flowers because that's where they find the nectar that they, that they live off of. But flowers are dependent on the bees because as the bees are getting the nectar, they get pollen attached to them. And when they go to the next flower, that's part of the propagation process of the flower. There's a symbiotic relationship. What came first, the chicken or the egg? That's kind of a variation on the question of the symbiotic relationship. And that's very much what's happening here. God's glory and our peace are uniquely connected and intertwined. Well, what do you mean by that, Lance? Well, let me see if I can explain this. You see, when God is glorified in our lives, one of the byproducts of that is we receive peace. Can anybody, can anybody give me an amen to that? You ever experienced the peace of God in your life? Okay. You see, God's purpose is to give us peace by being the most glorious person in each and every one of our lives. His glory is directly related to our peace. As we glorify Him more and more, greater peace comes into our life. That's what the angels are telling us there. Now, listen. I'm not just saying peace in the absolute absence of conflict. We live in a real world. I mean, we just talked about that, right? This whole experience happened in a real world. There is a real world. There is real conflicts. There are real challenges. There are real oppositions. There is a very real devil who wants to work and who is working very hard to keep this truth from becoming a reality for you and for me. But how many of us know, how many of you know, anybody ever experienced that, that in the midst of the most difficult or painful, or trying, or challenging moment of your life, something came into, your, into, that, into that moment to bring peace. Yeah. You experience that? Then you can relate a little bit to what I'm talking about here. And if you haven't had that, I'm here to tell you this morning that no matter what you are facing, no matter how painful, no matter how deep, no matter how hopeless it may seem, no matter how unable you feel or, or, or actually are to fully get your mind and your, your, and your understanding around the depth of that pain or that loss or that disappointment or that misunderstanding or that miscommunication, whatever it looks like, there is still peace for you in the presence of God. And as you continue to glorify Him, His peace I promise you will come. That's the promise of Luke chapter 2. You see, and here's the truth. Peace doesn't come separate from God. Five times in the New Testament, the Old New Testament authors say, He is the God of peace. Jesus said in, uh, in Matthew, He said, I am the peace. I am, uh, what did He say? Uh, uh, he, said, he said, I am, oh, my peace I give you, I'm sorry. My peace I give you. He said that in John chapter 14. 
Paul, writing to the Ephesians, that's what I wanted to quote, said, he himself, speaking of Jesus, is our peace. Peace doesn't come separate from God. Peace comes in connection with him. And on a personal level, God wants to give you peace. He wants to be glorified, and he wants to give you peace in three particular relationships. And this is what I really want to focus in on. First of all, God wants you to have peace with him. God wants you to have peace with God. That's what all of this was about in the first place. And this is fundamentally the most basic need that you and I as broken humans have. We need to be restored to a place of peace and relationship with the holy God. This is foundational to every other relationship. And if we don't start here first, then any other quote-unquote peace that we manage to manufacture for ourselves is short-lived and shallow. How many of you have been there? You ever been there in that relationship that you just, you knew wasn't right, but man, it sure felt good. That didn't have a long shelf life, did it? All of us have fooled ourselves into accepting second-rate peace in relationships, in jobs, in circumstances, situations. Paul tells us in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified means this, that God has declared you holy and righteous, not because of anything that you have done, but simply because of His Son. That does assume that you have stepped into a relationship with Jesus by repenting of your sins and accepting Him as your Lord and Savior. But the moment that you do that, just like we've done on the phone that one day some years ago, Brandy, everything in our circumstance with regards to God changes because he no longer looks at us and sees the shortcomings and the failures and the sin that has been built up over a lifetime of bad choices. And believe me, I had them and so did you. But the moment by faith we acknowledge that, yeah, Jesus is the Lord. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. The moment we acknowledge that, everything in our relationship with God changes because Jesus steps in between God and us at that moment. And when God looks at you and when he looks at me, he no longer sees my dirty, filthy rags and the years of poor decisions that are behind me. He simply sees the perfection and the holiness of his Son, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, standing in between us and being the one who is, I'm going to use a big word here, our propitiation. He's the one who took all of what we deserved on himself. And now he stands between us and the Father. And when God looks at us, he only sees the perfection of his Son. That's what it means to be justified. And all of the anger and all of the judgment that was intended for us because we were sinful has now been taken away, and there is only, as Jeremiah tells us, plans that God has for us to give us a hope and to give us a future, to help us, to bless us, and not to harm us. 
Our relationship changes. The other thing that goes away is the potential of eternal judgment. You see, the moment we step into relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God changes. And now suddenly, as we glorify Him and acknowledge who He is, we no longer have that penalty of death and hell hanging over us. And that brings an incredible amount of peace. You see, when we don't know Jesus, we may not even be able to put our finger on it, but there is something deep down inside of us because we are spiritual beings that says and screams out loud, something is not right. Something is not right. People respond to that, that, that feeling in different ways. Sometimes it's bad relationships. Sometimes it's pursuing a career and throwing themselves completely into a job. Sometimes it's curling up in a ball and hiding away from a very scary world. I don't know. People respond to that reality in many different ways. But all of them, other than coming to Jesus, are unhealthy and don't, in the end of the day, take away that fear, that underlying fear that we have of something not being right and the possibility of judgment for that. But Jesus and God offer us freedom from that anxiety through forgiveness as we accept Jesus we are then adopted into God's family the word tells us and we don't have to fear judgment and when we don't fear judgment it generates peace as we glorify him as we continue to pursue him as we pray as we read the word as we obey as best as we know how to do we glorify God and more peace comes and that peace then becomes a testimony to the rest of the world We'll get to that one in just a minute. I'll get ahead of myself. The second relationship that God wants to address with his peace is peace with ourselves. I'm going to be right up front with you. I struggled the most with this one. You might as well. And here's why. Because, bro, I don't know everything that you've done. I don't know everything you've done, man. I don't know what all you've done, Randy. I don't need to know. But you know what I do know? I know what I did. I know where I've been. I know where I have fallen short. And there's a devil out there who knows it too, and he loves to remind us about that. I struggle with this one. I struggle at times to be at peace with myself because peace with God positions us to accept uh, and, and live in peace with ourselves. Fear and anxiety and the reality that we are broken and sinful can, if we will allow it, paralyze us. In fact, it will not only paralyze us, but it can drive us to rash and dangerous forms of thinking. It can drive us to painful, destructive, in some cases, not changeable decisions. And you see, we got to come to a place of peace with ourselves. Paul tells us this in the book of Philippians chapter 4. He says, Don't, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. He's saying in every situation as you give glory to God, present your requests to God. He says, then, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
I don't know about you. Yeah, actually, I do, okay? I do know this. I don't know how it's manifested itself. I don't know how it has become a reality for you. But the last two years for every single one of us have brought some anxiety, some fear, some questions, and some doubts, and some big unknowns. Anybody there with me? Anybody felt that this last couple years? Anxiety and fear pushes us in a bad direction. Christianity, our faith in Christ and our lifestyle that that faith generates, it's under attack in this nation. You know that, and I know that. There are cultural agendas, racism, humanism, a militant LGBTQ agenda, and many, many other things, okay, that, listen, we can figure out a way to coexist in the world for a time, but these things are not just things that are, are bent on coexisting. These things are bent on changing and undermining and eliminating the faith and the lifestyle that our faith generates. So our faith is under attack in this nation. There are attempts to silence the church. There are attempts to restrict parents' abilities to raise their children as they deem correct. And these things cause me to be fearful for my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, and for the generations to come. Now, you know what? I could be locked up in that and consumed by that fear and consumed by that anxiety and unsure of what the future holds or I can do what Paul has said there in prayer and petition in every situation I want to tell you I don't have grandchildren yet and this is no pressure I'm not trying to put anything on anybody in this room okay okay don't read don't read into it I know I hear you laughing okay but I pray for the grandchildren that we will someday have I pray for my great-grandchildren. I pray for the generations that will come in the Stoddard family and whatever Hannah's last name ends up being when that guy comes along. Because I look at this and I think, man, I know the world that I grew up in and the world that I live in now. And if this is the world they're growing up in and what they're going to face in the future, it motivates me to prayer. But you see, here's the reality. As I pray and seek God, I glorify Him in my life. And as I glorify him in my life, the promise is that peace comes, and it does. When we take our concerns to God in prayer, thanking him for those concerns, thanking him in faith that those concerns are already addressed and dealt with, that he has not missed them, that he already has a plan for them, that he is already working out a plan to do us good and to bless our progeny, our children, there's faith that comes. The Bible says that it's faith that transcends all understanding. You know what that means? That means that the, that the peace, I'm sorry, the peace that comes that transcends all understanding, what that means is there's a peace that comes that you and I can't even fully grasp, can't even fully get our minds around. You know, you can spend time trying to figure it out. How's the peace going to come? What's it going to look like? How's it going to get here? When's it going to get here? Who's it going to come through? Well, you can get wrapped around that axle and miss all that God had for you because what we really have to do is take God at his word and say, Father, by faith, I received that peace. I remember sitting out there with you, Greg. And I got to, if I can brag on Greg for just a minute, and I know Greg is not a guy who would brag on anything, and I, I, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but Greg, more than almost any other person that I've met, certainly 
right up there in the top five as we sat out there and you shared the diagnosis that the, that the, that the doctors had given you, I got to tell you, I tried to put on my best game face. I wanted to be that man of faith for you. But inside me, there was a war going on as I was struggling to reconcile what my brain understood about what you were saying and what the word that I knew said about your situation. And I prayed with you in faith, but I got to be honest with you. I don't know about Jerry Stoltz this. I can't speak for him, but I can tell you that as far as Greg Waldy and Lance Stoddard are concerned, the man who had the greater faith that day was this man right here. And it's evidenced by the fact of what God has done. Now, you inspired me, and I stood in prayer, and we have prayed. But that's what happens. And God gets glory through that. And there's peace that comes. And you know what? Not only peace that came, but there was healing that came in your situation. Amen, Greg? Praise God for what he did. It goes beyond our ability to understand. We could have sat there and said, well, let's figure this out, Greg. Man, what surgery the doctor's offering? What's the best? Who's the best doctor? What was the best cancer institute? What's the best this? What's the best that? What can we do here? What can we do there? What do we? That was none of it. We didn't talk about any of those things. The answer was, and you led that, you said, guys, I need you to pray for me. And we prayed. And God responded. You see, when we fall, when we blow it, like I did that morning, we can come to him knowing that we've already received his peace and we've already received his forgiveness and we can step into it. You see, God not only wants to bring peace in his relationship with us, but he wants us to be at peace in who we are in him. But it doesn't just stop there. The third relationship that he wants to address and he wants to bring peace to is our relationship with all these other people. And this is where the thing gets a little trickier. Because you see, I don't have to worry about controlling God. He's got his end figured out. He's got his end covered. He said, I'm going to do it. That matter is solved as far as I'm concerned. I don't have to worry about what God, if God is going to uphold his own end. When it comes to me, I'm going to do my best to uphold my own end. But if I mess up, I'm the one that, hit, that, 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 that gets hurt by it. But here's the challenge when you're talking about other people. God wants us to have peace with others. But this is the one that we have the least control over. In fact, Paul tells us this way in the book of Romans chapter 12. He said, if it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as much control as you can exert, you should exert to live at peace with everyone. Recognizing that, you know, there's some situations that you just can't fix. You've just got to leave those in God's hands. Some relationships are sketchy. People got past hurts. There's disappointments. There's painful words and situations that make navigating family events, holidays, different types of activities a little challenging or maybe greatly challenging. The key is that we do what we know to do and that we trust in the promises of God. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, he continues on on this topic. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave you. What he's saying there is this. He's saying, stop holding the past over everyone else and over yourself. Get rid of bitterness. He's saying, 
stop responding with an uncontrolled emotion. Get rid of your rage and your anger. He's saying, stop fighting. Get rid of your brawling. Stop talking negatively about each other. Whether it's true or not, stop the slander. Stop contemplating evil toward others. Stop planning your revenge. Stop planning malice. Don't settle for the low level. Take the high ground. Stand in who he is. Pray. Read the word. Do what you know to do. And when you've done that, ask him to help you take the next step. Because when you glorify him in that way, when you pursue his manifest presence in that relationship, even though you can't control the other person, the promise of God is that his peace will come. gentleman for a number of years named Ron Johnson, the pastor who introduced me to Jerry Stoltzfus, as a matter of fact. Pastor Ron is still very much uh, my own father, is very much my spiritual father, but Ron is also a, a spiritual father, particularly with regards to Pentecost, and Ron always says this about the Word. He said, the Word of God always demands a response. And this morning, I'd like to give you an opportunity to respond to the word that we've heard this morning. I've delivered it as best that I could. I trust that in those words for each of you, in some way, shape, or form, there's been something that you can connect with, something that you can respond to, something that speaks to where you are, because this is the essence of the human condition. We do need to glorify God, and we all need to have His peace manifest in our lives and in our relationships in some way. So I'm going to ask you this morning to stand with me, if you would. I want to talk to you about those three relationships. The first one that I want to talk to you about is your relationship with God. And I'm going to ask every head in this room to bow and every eye to be closed for just a moment. And I want to give you an opportunity. You see, I, I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. I don't know what brought you in here to Freedom Valley Church this morning. Maybe this is a place that you come every Sunday because you like the atmosphere. I mean, this band is pretty hot. They're smoking. They're good. I have no question about it. I've listened to Candace's preaching. That lady is no joke, and she is no longer just a children's pastor. That woman brings the word of God. Maybe these things have attracted you. Maybe you're here today because this week just really sucks. It was difficult. It started off bad with Christmas, and it only went downhill as you headed towards the new year. This time of year is difficult for some people. I get that. 
Maybe you're here because for many years you've had a relationship with God. You've passionately pursued Him. And this is where you belong. And this is a part of your weekly experience because this is one of the ways that you glorify God. If that's you, I need you praying with me right now. Because here's what I want to do. If you have never made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have a problem, my friend. And it's a problem that's common to all of us. I had that problem at one time. Right? And that is that the most fundamental relationship in my life was messed up. And that meant that every other relationship in my life could not be fully right until that one was made right. I couldn't find peace. I couldn't find full happiness. I couldn't find full tranquility because my relationship with God was not right. And if that's you today, and you'd say, yeah, Lance, that's me. I've never made the decision to ask Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin and restore my relationship with God. If that's you, while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, I'd ask you just to raise your hand. I'd like the opportunity to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front or embarrass you in any way. I just simply want to say, hey, I want to pray with you. Is there anybody? As I look out and say, yeah, Lance, that's me. I need to pray. I need to ask the Lord to forgive me. Can you do this? Would everybody join with me? Everybody repeat this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Now, come on, everybody. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. And I ask you for your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. my life. Help me to walk in your footsteps every day by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for answering my prayer. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, I'd like you, or maybe the first time and you really meant it. It didn't have to be the first time, but today you meant it. Today you recognize the need. If that's you, there's some ushers in the middle of the aisle. You can raise your hand. The other thing that you can do is you can text I'm in to the number that's going to be on the screen behind me here shortly. You can text I'm in. Because we want to help connect you to this body. We want to help you take the next steps. And there's some important next steps that you take. Maybe you're like me yourself? Anybody in here is like that? I'm hard on me. You see, Jesus came and became Emmanuel so that we can live at peace with ourselves. And if that's you and you say, yeah, Lance, I can relate. I'm hard on myself. I struggle in my relationship with me. If that's you, raise your hand. I'd like to pray with you for a moment. Would you do that? I see the hands that are coming up. I appreciate that honesty. I think this is a very true aspect of most humans, uh, human condition. Father, you see the hands that are raised this morning. You know the history. You know the things that the enemy tries to recycle through our minds. You know that he is the accuser of the brethren. He comes and he makes accusation. But here is the reality for them and for me. Jesus has already paid the price that that accusation demands. He no longer has a claim. He no longer has authority. He no longer has a legal right to bring that up to you 
unto me. That means that we don't have to listen any longer. And so, Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name that for every hand that is raised today, that, God, you would give them the ability to love themselves and to see themselves as you see them with the destiny, the hope, the future, and the purpose with which you have created them in Jesus' name. about others. Well, we're not going to talk about others. That would be defeating the purpose of this message. But let's talk about relationships with others. Every single one of us in this room has difficult relationships. Every single one of us in this room has at least that one person that God just seems to have plopped into our lives to constantly irritate and, 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 and bother us. Some of us have more than one. Some of us have an entire family full. God wants you to be at peace as best as is possible for you with them. And if you say, yeah, Lance, that's me. I got some relationships that need peace. I got some relationships that need healing. I have some relationships where every moment of every day I need to appropriate the forgiveness that God gives so that I can extend it towards them. Yeah, Lance, that's me. Father, you see the hands raised and you, every, you know every name of every face that is represented in every hand that's raised in this room today. And Father, I ask you that you would break into difficult relationships. I pray that you would bring healing. I pray that you would bring breakthrough. Jesus, you came to restore our relationship to a holy and righteous God. It is nothing for you declare that over this body that this week there would be breakthrough, this week there would be change, if nothing else change in our own minds that we no longer hold the past over and we no longer expect the negative but we walk into those relationships anticipating that God has been at work in the midst of them bringing his healing and his restoration heal these
Like my dad was saying, God wrote himself into your story. All right, and he also wrote himself into the stories of your friends and of your neighbors. They just might not see it yet. They might need a friend to show them the places in their lives where God has written himself into their story. And that is what I want to challenge you guys with, all right? Leave here, be the friend, be the neighbor that reveals and shows them that God has written himself into your story. God is there and he offers himself. He offers a relationship with you. Show your friends, pray for your friends, show your neighbors, pray for your neighbors. Go out and do what God's told us to do. Would you guys bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for what you did here today. I pray that these challenges sets, settles, settles on people's hearts, settles on people's minds as they go from here, Jesus, to be the light to the world, God, to resolve relationships with others who may not even want a relationship with us, God, but you've called us to settle those things, Jesus. Let us be at peace with each other, be at peace with you, God, and be at peace with ourselves as we go from here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have a good week, everyone. See you next week. Also, prayer team, please come up. If you guys need any prayer, we have our prayer team right up here, and they would love to pray with you. Slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.